The Priestess and the Cauldron, a podcast featuring Elvira Love and Phoenix Le Fay, two out-of-the-room-closet professional witches with over 70 years' combined experience of making magic. This is a show on the LMC Radio Network. During each show, Elvira and Phoenix will help you create rituals, make spells, make potions, and much more besides. They'll spend time speaking about different goddesses from all over the world, paying attention to the ancient reverence of long-ago cultures and infusing it with a modern perspective. Elvira, Phoenix, take it away. Well, we are very early. We are very early. (laughs) And if we had been as early as I initially set up the Mm -hmm. show by mistake, it would have been 12 hours ago, which neither one of us would have been not been running for. It would have been a very, very odd show of slurred words and snoring. And lots of it. But here we are, Mm -hmm. bright and chipper, ready to give you all kinds of wisdom. <laughs> well, Elvira, I'm, you are funny. I'm trying to be positive. <laughs> I could just start, you know, babbling and aimlessly and you'll throw in and they'll think us very brilliant, right? <laughs> well, anyway, obviously, here we are. What has our week been like for each of us? I always let you go first, I so do. I feel that's really a fair shot. Hmm. Well, Elvira, as per usual, when you ask that question, I have to look down at my calendar here and think, what did I do this week? Because I've already forgotten. It's actually been a pretty mellow week. I intentionally gave myself some spaciousness beyond Uh my quote-unquote regular schedule, (laughs) which it does not. And she's rolling her eyes with that. Yeah, I I don't have a regular schedule, but I have specific times that I have to be specific places Mm -hmm. every week. Right. (laughs) <laughs> so beyond that, it was I tried to keep it kind of easy because today is rush, 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 and then I'm teaching a, a weekend intensive, uh-huh. and then I go back to my quote-unquote regular schedule on Monday, which means being at Milk and Honey on, uh-huh. on the floor on my own all day Right, is my regular Monday gig. So, so starting right now with the radio show, uh-huh. and then immediately after, well, the reason we're early is because I have a workshop tonight. Uh-huh. After the radio show, I'm rushing off to do a workshop on altars and shrines. There you go. And then tomorrow at 9 a.m., I start a weekend intensive where I'm teaching Pearl Pentacle all weekend. Wow. And then right back to the regular schedule. So right. it's kind of a it's kind of a busy a busy weekend going into a busy week. Right. I'm, I tried to I tried to keep this week a little bit more mellow. Mellow. Yeah, the weather has helped with the exciting thunder yeah. that we had at the beginning of the week and uh, regular things like, oh, my God, it rained and it hailed and it did all yeah. kinds of stuff, and now it's sunny and actually mild, a little chilly. So, you know, as a temperature gauge, it, it kind of fluctuated. Quite a bit. Yeah. So weird. Yeah, it was. Very weird. How's your week been? Oh, my week. Uh, um, well, that's a little dramatic. But anyway, it was reasonably okay. It was, you know, it had its little peaks and valleys as it usually does. Um, 
you know, I work three days over at Lucky Mojo and, you know, do readings out of Missionary Independent Spiritual Church. So it was, it was, you know, a busy, evenly paced three days. And, um, you know, the things that have come and gone are, are actually not anything to do with the spiritual work or clients or any of that. It had to do more with regular, like, oh, by the way, you now owe this amount to the RS, and now let's dig it out of your backyard and the chest that you hold all the money <laughs> and send that off. Um, and, you know, some things with AT&T, which we will slide over. Yes. And um, what else? You know, I, um, oh, uh, I'm going to be going back on Hoodoo Psychics, nice. which is a sister uh, company out of our little group of um, businesses that are part of our offshoots of uh, Lucky Mojo and all. So I had to get accustomed to their new system since, though being one of the original ones and since they've gone through permutations, I had to call the owner and we had to walk me through all the new things, which actually are much nicer and quicker and easier. <laughs> I was dreading it. Literally, I had a nightmare of a night going, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, new technology. Yes. I don't do the yeah. new technology well. But it worked out. <clears throat> Are you so, going to have specific hours on Hoodoo Psychic? No. Okay. Um, the way it's going to be is right now I'm going to, because I work Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and then, of course, Saturday at Milk and Honey, yeah. I'm probably going to either do, um, again, this is, you know, like Thursday evenings and Friday, some, you know, midday, and then maybe Sunday, I don't know, it's kind of a, it's going to be when I'm available, I'm not at a location that I'm doing it at, and yeah. just leave it open for that and see how it works, there may be some changes, and when that happens, it'll probably be announced on the radio show here, like, yeah. I'm going to be doing this, but it's, it's got to get back into some swing here to fit it in, I know yeah. people say, oh, just leave it on and do your own thing, and I'm like, yeah, that's a good idea up to a point, yeah. um, but you're on call when you're on call, and you know being on call is acceptable if you're in the middle of a yoga session or something like or, that. You know, but you're you're not exactly free when you're on call. That's true. Yeah, you're there. Yeah. So we'll see how this you know works into my world of fun and games. Yeah. And uh, got to see my granddaughter's new swing set all put together, and it's all pretty with the little clubhouse at the top and everything, and that was real fun to watch. Nice. That. So I got to be grandma-ish and uh, professional-ish. Nice. So with that, I mean, we our topic is definitely been a strange one for me this week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it... A continued series of exploring different traditions of witchcraft. Yes. We're talking about one that neither of us have any experience with. This is true. It <laughs> was a fascinating read. Um, I obviously as we all do, run to the Internet, oh, yeah. which was very helpful. Yeah. And um, it's called Seraphoria. Yeah, Seraphoria. And, um, and they have the, the tradition, the Seraphoria tradition, has actually a really great informative website. Yes, they do. Yeah. I was very impressed with that. Yeah. And um, so it is Seraphoria.org. .org. Yeah. That's right. It's, a, it's an organization. So we can just jump in and start babbling away at it. Go. You know. Okay. You know. <laughs> so obviously the first thing is, who put this together? Well, Lyra. 
Um, so what's funny is I, you know, Frederick, Fred, what are they calling him on the website? Fred McLaren? Yeah. Yeah, Fred McLaren. But then as I was doing more research, I found his full name, and I had to put that in my notes. Frederick, Frederick McLaren Charles Adams II. Yes. I thought the Adam second was cool. I really am always excited when I see someone who has the second or the third or mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. I like it. I used to work with someone. I won't say his name because he doesn't know that I do a podcast on witchcraft. <laughs> but I used to work with someone whose his name was so-and-so, so-and-so, the third. Uh-huh. And I just thought, oh, that's so fancy. I know. <laughs> kind of makes you feel like you're with aristocracy, yeah. you know. But, yeah, it uh, it really is. And, you know, when I was reading it, it was like Fred Adams. Right. They really talk about that. And um, there's a woman, Joe Carson. Yes, who's the current leader of the church. Yes. Leader is a loose term. I don't think they really have hierarchy or any sort of formal leadership, but she's sort of the voice of tradition right Right. now because Fred has passed on. Yes. He's on the other side. As well as his wife, Svetlana. So, oh, I didn't see that Svetlana had passed oh, away. Oh, yes, she too has. Uh-huh. She has passed. Oh, um, very interesting. Okay. Yes, I have to find her passing date, obviously, if we will be able to. Okay, she died. He died in August 2008. Yeah. She died in 2010. Oh, I totally missed that. Nice. Yeah. Svetlana Buterin? Buterin? Ryan Butrin. Butrin, I guess. I'm sorry, I apologize. It's Svetlana. It's but she went by Lady Svetlana. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yes, those two. And then, of course, um, I guess how they call Joe Carson is a literary executive. Mm. Well, Joe Carson has written a book called Celebrate Wildness. Yes. Magic, Myth, and Love on the Farrah-Faria Path. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she has written a lot about this organization and, um, Joe, uh, not Joe, but the, the founders of the organization mm-hmm. and the early days. Right. And I believe she also made a film. Yes, she about did. About the organization and really about what witchcraft was kind of like in mm-hmm. the 70s mm-hmm. with this sort of really became a thing. Right, right. Uh, and I'm, I'm trying to see if they have, if they actually, she has her book, but I know that it is, um, or her, not her, the, uh, her book. And then she did a, a film, yeah. something gay Oh, yes, yes, yes. It was, and I, again, we're sitting here. We, I have seven pages of notes. You too. This edition. <laughs> And I tried to put my notes in some sort of Dancing with Gaia. Dancing with Gaia. See? I yeah. I tried to have my notes be in some sort of order, <laughs> but, you know. Well, you never know. It's it's kind of like, wow, this is, well, I think it's for both of us, it's, it's so new yeah. to us yeah. that you take a lot of notes because you're sitting trying to find the things that, yeah. where it is, yeah. what it is. And their, like I said, their website is chock full of stuff. So if you, you know, trying to narrow that down to what we could talk about in an hour was was a thing. Yeah. So, you know, we probably should say kind of the crux of of their their thing. Right. Uh, so here I'll read exactly, quote exactly from one of their websites so that it's, you're hearing their words. Farrah is many things, a religion, a way of life, a philosophy, and a kind of magic. It's nature magic. The name means celebration of wildness and is based in the Latin roots fera, as in wild or feral, and feria, which means festival. Fairy feria is a fairy faith. 
The images and feeling tones of fairy inform how we want to live on Earth. The fae are our model for living intimately with nature rather than dominating it. So it's pretty interesting. It's this, it's this interesting amalgamation of fae, uh-huh. fairy, and very Western European concepts of fae. Right. 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 And then this Italian, uh, not Italian, this Greek, Greek. Um, mystery tradition mm-hmm. that sort of have been squished together. So right. nature-based, fae-based, but they also follow the cycle of Kore, right. who becomes Persephone, mm-hmm. queen of the underworld, right? Mm-hmm. So it's very, uh, and for folks who are familiar with with Wicca mm-hmm. and the cycle of the year according to Wicca, it's mm-hmm. all based on the the cycle of intimacy between right. the Lord and the Lady, right? Right, and right. And that is kind of what their cycle is mm-hmm. based off of, too. So mm-hmm. it's, kind of, it's an interesting amalgamation of a few different mystery traditions. Right. And they actually, they have, um, the wheel is actually nine. Right. I really like this, actually. Yeah. And I thought, you know, it's, it, it, there's just, it, it has a, um, it's called repose, and it's, around the Thanksgiving time, you know, between Samhain and Yule. And, you know, marking basically the the goddess's beginning of her retreat. So it's a, there's something to be said about what they're doing. And I, I really felt intrigued. It kind of, it spoke. Mm-hmm. And I began to go, God, this is, some, this, is, this is something that I feel really akin to, even if I'm not following their um, their things because they do have practices and all these incredible things, which I, as uh, Phoenix obviously pointed out about their uh, website, I got really into just like reading it and mm-hmm. it's this and it's star-based and it's horizon-based and, it's, yeah. you know, it's got all these. And they have lots of rituals, lots of rituals. Liturgy. Yeah. But their cycle of the year is based on, it's a love cycle, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. Elvira mentioned repose. So they have marked holidays like you find in most pagan and witchcraft traditions. Repose is from Samhain to Yule, that right. entire, so it's not a marked day. Right. It's a cycle. It's a period of time. Mm-hmm. And it's considered the festival of emptiness and return to the raw elements. Mm-hmm. So this is the goddess sleeps alone. It's uh, it's that time of going within, um, the earth in communion with the kiss of all. Right. Something from their website, right? And then they have winter solstice. They call it Yule, December 22nd. This is the festival of first awakening. Mm-hmm. This is the longest night, like we all know. Um, the holy infant thrusts lustily from their from their information. Uh-huh. So this is starting to recognize we are in the darkest of time. We are in the nakedest mm-hmm. of times, right? Mm-hmm. But life is jubilant. Mm-hmm. A, this is a, a tradition of celebration. Right. Totally. I'll come back to that in a minute. Yes, we will. Celebration. <laughs> then they have Olmec, mm-hmm. February 1st, mm-hmm. what we might call in bulk or candle mass, right? Mm-hmm. The festival of enscaled buds and bare branches. Ooh, right? Yes. So this is the torchlit procession. The goddess comes from the underworld. Her belly is big. The infant drops for delivery. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, you know, that energy, that birthing energy that mm-hmm. is very traditional mm-hmm. for witchcraft tradition. Mm-hmm. Uh, the goddess gives birth to the infant god at the spring equinox. Mm-hmm. And the spring equinox they call Ostara, March 21st. It's the festival of the rising sap. Aha. Uh-huh. Right? Yes. The god is born. Yes. 
um, the goddess becomes the maiden, which is interesting because the god is born, uh-huh. right? So there's this strange going from mother to maiden. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, right. Mm-hmm. Then Beltane, like you would expect, on May 1st, the festival of full flowering, sex crown, the holy nakedness of blossoming flesh. Mm. <laughs> yes. Yum, yum. By sex, the two are divided. So this mm-hmm. is when they announce their engagement, the goddess and the god. There isn't, mm-hmm. This isn't when they consummate their marriage. This mm-hmm. is when they announce their engagement. Right. This is love at its fullness. Right. 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 Um, it's summer, just like you would expect on June 21st. The festival of pollination and green leaves. That's the sex. This is right. They, they race to the greenwood and mate in the streaming clouds of pollen. My goodness, that is so literary. I know, adorable. Yes. So then Lunasa, their August 1st, they call Lunasa the festival of fruiting and beginning of the harvest. This is the meanderings of the honeymoon for the Lord and the Lady. The breasts of the goddess begin to swell. Okay. Okay. Yep, we got it. Uh, Harvest home is what they call the autumn equinox, which is next week for us already, the autumn equinox. The festival of homecoming and release, recognizing the nights are now growing longer, the harvest, the belly of the goddess begins to swell, and she makes annunciation, which I'm not really sure what that's supposed to mean. Well, that's good. Yeah, we should at some point look this up. Right, right? So, yeah, more to explore. Then Samhain, Mm -hmm. November 1st. The festival of sinking to the soil and prophecy. So this holiday is when the divine lovers make life snug for all to sleep through the winter. Okay. Right. So it's very much um, a cycle of of lovers, a uh-huh. cycle of the the duality uh-huh. of goddess and god. And it doesn't ever specifically say actually goddess and god, but it does refer to goddess and the goddess and the goddess and the goddess. So I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, there is room in there for gender and sexual fluidity. Right. I don't actually know. They didn't comment specifically on anything on that on their website. Mm-hmm. But it's a, it is a love cycle. It is mm-hmm. an intimacy cycle. Mm-hmm. It is a cycle related to sensuality and sexuality. Right. Which you find in other traditions, but not quite so blatant. Right. Well, they, and again, we've got a lot of... In, from the 1940s and 50s, you have this awakening in the United States specifically, but it's it's in other, you know, uh, countries. But I think it's because there is the drive to find the fact that we have a new level yeah. of feminine and masculine being redefined based on different things happening in the world and what was going on. And then the revolution, the rebellion, the the kicking out of that in the 60s. Right. And then the 70s was, okay, so we rebelled against everything. What are we creating? Mm-hmm. And then 70s and 80s, and then you kind of move into the, the level. So this particular one was really the first for the United States. Yeah, right, you know? exactly. And witchcraft has been in the United States for longer than Right. That, but Farrah Faria was the first to make it, a legitimate uh, non-profit church to make a church to mm-hmm. go through the legal proceedings mm-hmm. to be recognized. Right. The first in the United States. That's a pretty big deal. That is. And looking at that same timeline, this struck me, you know, the, the people were rebelling against Christianity, against the dominant culture. Mm-hmm. And the, um, our 
puritanical roots as right. Americans, right? right, in the 50s and in the 60s. And in the 60s and the 70s, there was rebellion against that. Because if you look at the the founders of a lot of witchcraft traditions, mm-hmm. like like Fred McLaren, Charles Adams II, mm-hmm. and Char- Oberon Zell, who worked with these folks, um, Carol Runyon, mm-hmm. uh, Gerald freaking Gardner, these yeah. are men. These are all men. Right. They're all men. Raymond Buckland, all of these mm-hmm. dudes who made witchcraft, the foundations of witchcraft that we still practice today. Yes. Right? It wasn't until the 60s and the 70s, the late 60s, mm-hmm. that the feminist movement started mm-hmm. to really take over. And that's when we get the Budapest and Starhawk and these feminist waves right. of witchcraft. And there is a part of me, like, I'm going to say some shit right here. Go for it. There is a part of me that's like, we need more of the feminine voice in all of this. I get that these men are writing about the goddess and bringing feminine mm-hmm. energy, but excuse me. <laughs> we are. Shouldn't women be writing about right. fucking goddess and right. the feminist movement and the energy of bringing mm-hmm. that into religion? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I find myself, I am grateful that people were brave and excited and willing to test these theories and write these books and put this energy out there. Mm-hmm. And I find myself a little pissed off of all these male voices. Right. Because, again, we go back to, I love that word, and again, <laughs> sort of, I seem to find that as my word. Uh, you're, you're having men suddenly come up with the things that are about women. And it's right. like, wait a minute, there is a point. If we were telling you how your phallus works and the way it, it creates and the dynamics, you would be highly incensed in more ways than one right. that some woman is telling you how your your body functions or how your, your emotions go. Right. And spiritual comes from and is driven because we are in the body. It is driven in, the, in that format. Yeah. So I tend to agree with you. Yeah. And when I first came to this spirituality, mm-hmm. I tended to be more dionic. Right. And yeah, I think a lot of women are. Because it's, it's the swing of that pendulum. Swing in yes. the opposite direction. To yeah, that. Absolutely. And then you come back and go, well, okay, then we need a balance. We need some kind of harmony. Right. And right. I can understand, you know, the first thing we do is because we're in this beautiful body and it has its wonderful needs and our, you know, emotions, then we start patterning things on that dynamic. So the love of the god and the goddess or the goddess and that which is the opposite of her to create this wonderful experience of um, sensuality, yeah. sexuality yeah. and that. And whether it is now gender fluid in terms of what is coming through, it still represents that that yeah. process. Yeah. And and what's clear, especially when you go to the Ferraferia website, mm-hmm. they give credit to Fred and Svetlana. Exactly. Right? However, Fred's voice is the more dominant voice. Yeah. He was the more well-known of the couple. But right. The couple created this. Tradition. Right. The two of them did this together. And a lot of the rituals and liturgy and the poetry, the, the mm-hmm. beauty mm-hmm. of this tradition was written and created by Svetlana. Mm-hmm. And the Theraferia group, at least from what I can see as an outsider, is very clear about that. They right. give Svetlana just as much credence and credit as they give to mm-hmm. Fred. But it seems like outside of the organization, a lot of what you see and read and the history that you find on other 
places mm-hmm. out in the world. Mm-hmm. Mostly talk about Fred and Svetlana is was his partner. Right. That should irritate me. Because I know. You find that a lot in um, in different traditions of witchcraft that were run by couples. Like right. the fairy tradition with um, Cora Anderson. Mm-hmm. She is just as much a founder of the fairy tradition as her husband. Right. He tends to be the voice that people quote the most exactly anyway blah 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 well and it it is it's important because what it does is it tells you that the dynamic is that for the most part the masculine voice in the more modern traditions more modern in the sense since patriarchy took over Mm. uh, is the one that gives validity to whatever is going on right and, exactly. you know, so we've got that kind of dynamic. But they have, I mean, I was just, you know, I was amazed at the the way they put it together. And, yes, they've got a lot of connection with the illusion mysteries right. in terms of that. And, of course, because the illusion mysteries was never talked about, we never really know all of what went on. So it has to be a... Um, a re yeah a recon, recreation of something it is a rather than a you know rec, uh, was it reconstruction right right the Eleus- oh, mysteries of ancient Eleusis and I've heard it you said illusion I've heard Eleusinian I've heard another way of pronouncing it I don't actually know how it's pronounced it is morphic so yes it's Greek uh, but this is the the mysteries of this tradition is it's the cycle of Kore. Right, so from a mythological perspective, the young maiden Corey mm-hmm. is abducted or perhaps chooses mm-hmm. to go with Hades to the underworld, mm-hmm. and she becomes queen of the underworld mm-hmm. and shifts from Corey to Persephone. Right, she steps into her sovereignty, she steps into her queendom mm-hmm. by choosing or perhaps being abducted by Hades to go to the underworld. <laughs> and the Ferrifereus uh, belief system follows that cycle of Corey as the maiden. <laughs> but what it seems like to me is most of their celebrations are connected to Corey, the maiden, and the bliss of being the maiden and the fun of being the maiden and the frivolity of being a maiden. And they connect her to Kuros, the youthful male god, who <laughs> I'm actually not familiar with at all. No, neither am I. But they say Corey is celestial through the moon, <laughs> but Kuros is celestial throne is the sun. Mm-hmm. So they've taken the Eleusinian mysteries, the mysteries of Eleusis, and they've sort of spun it a little bit, right. created it, shifted it a little bit, right, and created a cycle out of it. Right. Which, you know, is a, a wonderful way to take something and go further with it. Sure. You know, one of the things when I was with my, you know, training with my dad in terms of Wilhelm Reich and the, the, the therapy and his writings and what he did. And my father was a therapist that did that, um, but he also taught, is that Reich never, Wilhelm Reich never made it a religion that you follow everything. Mm-hmm. He said, I am the beginning. Take it. Go with it. Yeah. And I think that's what's happened here with even something as the illusion mysteries, yes, we can be very um, traditionalist, mm-hmm. and that's always a good thing, purist and traditionalist, but to be locked into it is just as rigid and as, you know, difficult to maintain yeah. because we grow. Right. So we grow and we shoot new branches out. You don't keep 
turning them off and making it just the stalk, you know, then you don't get any fruit, you don't get any flowers, and, you know, it's kind of like a sterile process. So I'm glad to see this. Yeah. Because yeah. that, to me, shows that kind of growth. Right, right. And the the piece that they've mixed in from more of a Western Anglo-Saxon mm-hmm. system is the building of henges. Yeah, I love that. So they build, <laughs> they build these outdoor shrines and temples. They build henges. Uh, and these are, this is how they connect to the Fae, mm-hmm. right? So you mm-hmm. create this magical space outside. Right. You would create this portal outside, this henge outside. Mm-hmm. It anchors us to our physical location, mm-hmm. but it also works as a spiral, or not a spiral, a portal. Right. So that we may connect and contact other places. Right. 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 So that's an interesting little mixture, too, because henges are not part of the Greek no. mystery system. No. no. It's very much a more Western year. Right. More of that. And it kind of puts you into, like, okay, every culture, every tradition has had something that that connects it to all the others. Right. And this has just done that other, you know, process. So, and I was really, I was taken by how, you know, they described literally on that um, website, the, the the official website, how to construct a hedge, how yeah. to do your circle, how to, you know, the compass and the way you lay it. And right. it, was, it was fascinating. Right. And what I, what I found interesting, too, about that process is, all of this information and their rituals and, and this the energy that is their tradition is completely open and available to anyone. Yes. However, they do have initiation. Yes. But what they, even on their website, they say it's rare for anyone to ask for. Mm-hmm. But it is there. It is available. It is a thing that they do. Right. But it's not a big deal. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's a big deal. But it's not... It's not the, the, you can only do it up to this far because you don't have the information, you're not official, you're not that, but then all this huge environment opens up if you do that. Yeah, exactly. Which, you know, is that. And then the thing that really fascinated me, and I have no idea if I'm going to say this right, is the fatala. Oh, right, their symbol. Their symbol. The symbol itself has it, and then there is a whole way to actually do it as a Prayer, right? And I, I printed out because I was so fascinated by it because it has, you know, so much intense meaning in its own right without necessarily knowing, yeah, the tradition. It right. was it's the hand movements, the the actual gestures, right? Which oh, we should probably take a break. Yes, but quickly, briefly, he Fred created this whole system of movements, mm-hmm. uh, sort of like yoga, and I, I think he even compares it to Hatha yoga. Mm-hmm. It's different, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but these human shapes that are sort of prayers to the earth or meditation mm-hmm. to the earth, and this is something, uh, this concept of body movement or body postures is something I've seen also repeated right. across many cultures. Right. So, and we'll talk more about Fred's early days and kind of what led him to exactly discover or create Ferifaria, but we should probably take a break. We will take a break. All right, we'll be back. You're listening to The Witch, The Priestess, and The Cauldron, a radio podcast on the LMC Radio Network. Stay tuned as more magic is coming your way right after these messages. The 
LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include the Lucky Mojo Hooter Root Work Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ollie, Sundays 3 to 4.30, Candela's Corner with Candela Canvisa, Michael Carell, and Lady A, Mondays 5 to 7, the Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays 5 to 6, In the Streets with Beverly Smith, Tuesdays 6 to 7, Fit and Foxy with Madame Nadia and Jaya Danya, Wednesdays 6 to 7. The Now You Know Show with Professor Charles Porterfield, Thursdays 6 to 7.30. The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix Le Fay, Fridays 6 to 7. And Liquid Libations with Andrea Weston, Saturdays 5 to 7. All Times Pacific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. Thanks, Jeannie. Hey, we are rad. We're rad. Okay, so we were back talking about early Fred. Fred. That Fred. That Fred. Fred Adams, that guy. Yes. Uh, all right, where did my notes go? Fred? Okay. <laughs> uh, so there is an interview with Fred Adams that was done in 2005 by Harold Moss, who mm-hmm. is the co-founder of the Church of the Eternal Source. Uh-huh. Uh, it's a pretty interesting interview. It's worth reading the whole thing if you are curious or would like to know more about Fred Adams and the Farrah Faria origins. Mm-hmm. Uh, but basically, Fred was kind of a weird dude. <laughs> <laughs> that sort of follows with all of the beginning. All of, yeah, all of these early witchcraft people. You know, because he was born in 1928. So, right? This mm-hmm. is odd, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, a visionary throughout life. Um, was very into the Madonna and Child and was influenced by Robert Graves, which, whatever, I right. have so I won't get into, Margaret Murray, <laughs> Young, Greek myths, all of these things. And then in 1956, Fred had an ecstatic experience. He's minding his own business, walking around, mm-hmm. and he gets this feeling in his body. He, he describes the experience mm-hmm. that I, I won't go into a ton of detail with, but he describes this this experience in detail and how it felt in his body, mm-hmm. and he was struck by inspiration that God was a woman, and uh, the divine is feminine, and he talked to his friends about it, and his friends were like, sure, Fred, that sounds groovy, or whatever they said in 1956, uh, <laughs> well, peachy keen, yeah. the bee's knees of an idea, yeah. or something, and so they created the Hesperian Fellowship. Yes. There you are. Where they explored the concepts of the feminine divine. Ah. And all of his friends at this point liked going out in nature. They liked being naked out in nature. They were nudists. There you go. And I love this. I freaking love this. <laughs> the, one of the moments where Fred had one of his most powerful experiences mm-hmm. in 1957, after he talked, to, he had his download, he talked to his friends, and they all thought, yeah, that's groovy, man. Let's go be naked in the woods. And while we're there... We'll find all this fruit that's ripe, and we'll rub it all over each other, oh, and then we'll swim in the stream and commune with the goddess. So one of his first rituals was being naked out in the woods with a bunch of other po- folks rubbing ripe fruit on each other. <laughs> that vision is never going to leave me now, and I don't even have a full vision of what front looked like, and I don't I want really to. I love it. Oh, my gosh. Well, idea... Basically, since he had this moment in 1956, mm-hmm. his idea was about having 
paradise on earth. Mm-hmm. And that paradise on earth was being connected to the earth, mm-hmm. remembering nature, honoring the earth, which means the fae, right? right? Communing with the fae, mm-hmm. that concept, being a vegetarian, mm-hmm. being naked. Sounds good. Hey, well, right? that's it. That's it. And, and it obviously, oh, and we have to mention, this is in Southern California. Right. It is not with us alternate people in Northern California yet. No. It was Southern Cal. Right. In Southern California. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, he had the, he wanted to find paradise. And what he said is, you know, I had all these feelings before I'd ever heard of Wicca. Uh-huh. And later he heard of Wicca. Um, in 1963, he was talking about yoga, doing yoga in the wilderness with uh-huh. the trees and the rocks and the mountains. Uh-huh. Uh, they did a lot of magic up in the Santa Anita Canyon. They do landscape yoga, uh-huh. which sounds interesting. Yes. Um, and then in the mid-60s, he met Svetlana. Uh-huh. And they, I like how they describe they had a tempestuous relationship. Hmm, that definitely leaves me. Hmm. Right, with forays into other relationships. However, in the end, Svetlana and Fred agreed that they were soulmates. That's so it. I was curious, because I'm a nosy SOB, and I wanted <laughs> to know more about Fred and Svetlana. So what I've discovered yes. is that they met, and they had many, she's Russian, mm-hmm. they had many similar feelings about the sacred feminine, mm-hmm. about practicing goddess worship, they mm-hmm. created this tradition together, but apparently Svetlana had a little bit of some mental instability, mm-hmm. um, and when she was taking care of herself, she was good, mm-hmm. and when she wasn't taking care of herself, she was not good, right? And she, uh, And so mm-hmm. they explored other relationships, they would have, they tried to have an open relationship, and it mm-hmm. didn't work very well, mm-hmm. uh, and eventually Svetlana moved away to Nevada City, Mm-hmm. I believe, and Fred followed her. And then they decided, we're going to do this. We're soulmates, and as long as we can keep you healthy, we can keep us healthy. Right, right, right. Well, so there you go. That's fascinating because I didn't really get all of the Svetlana. She, you know, like we were talking about, it was kind of one of those, well, and then there was Svetlana. Right. You know, and right. that kind of made me question Gee, it would be nice if you would stop making it like she's secondary. She's a side note. She's a side note, but that was part of it. Yeah. But that is interesting, and I know that at some point in their, their wanderings that they did gather together with um, another group and became yeah. council, and, right. you know, that whole thing yeah. became another version. I think it was with, what is it, the Council of Bethlehem? Oh, Seamus. Seamus, because okay. that Seamus. that came up with uh, Runyon and Oberon Zell. And, yeah. You know, they kind of put that together for a little bit. They tried to unite hermetic, neo-pagan, and ceremonial magical groups, which didn't work out great, but it was an early... An early attempt. Yeah. yeah. And on August 2nd in 1967 is when they got their not-for-profit status. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Excuse me. Being the first group to do that, says right after that on August 2nd, 1967, Farrah was designed to be a religion based on the bliss between lovers. So there you go. That's it. But think of that is that it was the first pagan mm-hmm. religion that was goddess based yeah. religion yeah. that was thus incorporated and made given credit. 
yep. given credence. Now, yes, by the government saying you're a nonprofit right. church, right. Right. but governments acknowledging religions are part of, you know, that whole making yeah. you feel like you're legitimate. Be legitimate and grown up. Right. And that's a thing. And that's a, co- a conversation. If anyone is, you know, paying attention to some of the conversations that happen mm-hmm. in the pagan communities online, mm-hmm. that's one of the things. There are definitely pagans who feel like, F that, we don't need the government to recognize us. We're mm-hmm. pagans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then there are people who are like, no, we, we want people to know we exist we want not necessarily to assimilate into church culture mm-hmm. but there's some of that too people like structure of course some people like structure well even in a ceremony you have certain things we are obviously going to be having another uh how do we want to put it talk Mm-hmm. on, you know, something that's more chaotic, hop, right. hop. Right. but uh, it's, you've got this desire yeah. to have something, yeah. you know, yeah. a prayer and a, a feeling of sacred space and yeah. that kind of a thing. And I think what, what I'm seeing here, and I was mentioning this before we started the show, is that this process, and especially, you know, talking about Farfaria, is a the swing opposite the sterility mm-hmm. of more structured Christian and, you know, uh, orthodox religions that they have is not, it's, there is a, and I know this could be very um, questionable in terms of others who think of it. I just feel that it's, it doesn't allow for the warm fuzzy. It's always the, 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 I am the one that gives the law and the lawmaker and you will do as I tell you. And, oh, by the way, there is the version of what you love your neighbor and, and all that, but you've got some of that. It's put in as another version of it. And, you know, it keeps warring between the angry God and the loving God. Right. But they forget about the goddess. Right. You know, as an equal, in some form, that energy is an equal. Right. Yeah. So that's yeah. my rant. No, I, I hear you. I totally hear so, you. But, you know, these are, there's, there are books, there's, there are things that have been uh, put out that are you know, on that particular website that allows you to see the basis under which he utilized the different teachings and writings to put this together. Right. And, again, he, she, Svetlana, too, but I think she was the more feeling of the two. Right. And it, and I think this is something else that you see, like with with um, Doreen Valiente and Gerald Gardner. Gerald Gardner wrote all of these books, mm-hmm. these rituals, but it's pretty clear that Doreen filled in the gaps and added the poetry in the mm-hmm. prose. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we see here with Fred and Svetlana, that Fred created this structure, right. and Svetlana created the poetry and the prose. Right. And some of these rituals, like check out their website, some of these rituals are long-ass rituals Yes. with lots of words and lots of recitation and lots mm-hmm. of stuff going on. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you like that kind of ritual, this is definitely something worth checking out. Right. And, again, that's a hermetic, you know, that's yeah. part of that hermetic right. where there's all this recitation and you know, this no, I'm not a hermetic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've always been fascinated by it, but I will tell you my inherent 
this taste for it comes up. Right. So I am, you know, I go, wow, that's really great. I don't want to do that. I'm, I'm an ecstatic practitioner, and most of my foundation in witchcraft is from an ecstatic mm-hmm. condition. Mm-hmm. So at a certain point, I'm like, when are we going to do something? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of... So, but it, that's the point, is that when you get into learning about these things or experiencing or reading about it, just like this for both of us, was a very moving experience yeah. to read about yeah. and get this whole other section. Yeah, I actually am really excited about building a henge yeah. in the yard. Yeah. Say. Yeah. Because I already work with them and I have ways that I communicate with them and I have special places where they have free reign. Mm-hmm. But I think a henge, there's just, a henges are freaking amazing. I know. So it's fun. I know. I know. And it, it just makes you like stone megaliths. Right. That's the biggie, yeah. you know. Yeah. That's like an- deep ancestral magic. Oh, you know? very much so. I know that for, it's funny because thinking of that, I have something similar. I have a, a tall um, piece of rock that is really, it's like a needle and it, it's it's in the center, but I did a spiral mm. with the other stones, but I was everywhere I've moved. And should I ever move again, those are going to go with yeah. me because those are charged with yeah. many different places of, you know, holding that energy and, as you say, um, letting the fae be yeah. part of my life. Yeah. And that's going to be interesting when I have to describe that to movers. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> so I have um, six practices that Farrah offers okay. as ways to work with the Farrah Faria mm-hmm. system. Mm-hmm. And this is on their website. So number one, this was written by Fred on July 17th in 1967, which was a Monday. Oh, boy. There you go. Okay. Number one, daily evocations and supplications for Farrah especially at night when going to sleep in a hypnagogic time, concentrate on imagery of paradisal sanctuary and memorize the parts. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Number two, maintain two journals. One is your personal diary mm-hmm. and the other uh, dedicated to Farrah Farrah researches. And then it talks about pages and blah 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 but there you go you have you have a journal for your own shit mm-hmm. and a journal for traditional stuff mm-hmm. number three practice the rituals spiritual disciplines and your special research assignments i know, i want to know what that means well that, yeah what a research assignment yeah okay so number four establish a shrine with the goddess and god and the chorasalia a small, balanced, and beautiful leafy branch mm-hmm. which provides the tree of axos daemon Dress the shrine with produce of the region and the season. Aha. Uh-huh. Right? So uh, basically a seasonal altar. Make right. A seasonal altar. Right. There you go. I don't mean to sound glib or disrespectful, but no. Number five, make rituals of daily living to re- mm-hmm. relate daily living to fairy feeling and paradisial aims. Recount these in your journals. I like this a lot. Mm-hmm. Look at your magic in your everyday life. Right. Because it's there. Yes. You know? Yes. And then the last one, number six, Consecrate your living space and make it paradisial. And I hope I'm saying that right. Paradisial. Paradisial seems like it should be. Have incense, at least five candlesticks, an aspergillum or brush, Mm -hmm. bells, different colored cloths for instant altar coverings, etc., on hand for spontaneous rituals and blessings. Start with blessing yourself and your loved ones, whether they are near or far. There you Perfect. Go. Right? I mean, this sounds 
it's very functional. Yeah. And I think that's probably why it it was it rang a bell with me, no pun intended. It was something that I do, yeah. whether I name it paraphoria or something else right. or just do it. Uh, it gave me a sense of understanding that where it comes from is from one's own inner connection. Right. And finding it and keeping it and being aware of it. Right. Yeah. So very much a a practical. And I know that it talks about, you know, um, I found it interesting because, of course, they have um, different days and they have different things for different days. Yeah. It means, you know, there are certain meanings of the of the actual day and it has a letter and it has a, right. you know, it, it, they do have correspondences in this that give you an idea, which thinking about even something as we have learned in the hoodoo tradition, certain days are yep. set for certain things. Right. And again, that's where we kind of go back and forth, where do you have the ties between all these different practices. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And there are... Pages of ceremonial enactments and chamans of the week, earth meditations, assignments, all these kind of things on the website. There is enough on the website to keep you busy in exploring the Veriferia magic and traditions for probably a really long time. There's also um, a, uh, what is that called? My mind is not blank. The online chat board. Right. They have a chat board. They also have um, a Facebook page. Right. And they have talked about the fact that, you know, both in the website of the organization and that people will get back to you. You know, you connect with the, the community. And since we have an Internet community, that that is sometimes the way most of the people connect. Right. Yeah. And that's becoming more and more commonplace where people because we are so remote and the Internet helps us to be more connected. Right. There's a lot of folks who are connected only online. Right. Yeah. Right. So there we are with, yeah. you know, the, the the dynamics of what this this uh, tradition is about. Right. So yeah. how are we doing, my dear? I think we've covered a heck of a lot of ground. Totally have. I know. Is there anything else that seems important? <laughs> I'm just look, I'm looking through all of my my the last couple pages of my notes. I know, I know. It's like, did I get everything, or at least a good part of it? Um, yeah. I know that it just it it fascinated me that they did you know things about life and death with the illusion mysteries. Right. You know the working on that and the fairy mysteries and um, the the traditions that he pulled that he came with. Right. You know, we yeah. call it our ancestry. I'm sure that in that it is there. Yeah. So Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty interesting. There's also if you look online, there's an interview um on the Jason Mankey's blog, Raise the Horns, that he interviewed Joe Carson. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there's quite a long interview with Joe Carson, the the current president of the board of directors. And she has presented a lot at Pantheon. Yeah, but not since 2015, though. So maybe this next year they'll do another thing. Right. Um, But, you know, it's definitely, if you are looking for a tradition or you're looking, it's something where you said speaks to you or you Mm -hmm. find intriguing, it's worth looking into and digging a little bit more deeply. There's a Mm -hmm. lot. There's a lot of rituals, and they're all dated when they were originally written. Right. And they go back to the 60s, and that alone is interesting and fascinating, you know. 
Um, so it's it's something new and interesting to explore if you have not yet had the chance. Truly, truly. Yeah. So, and I've, as I said, I found this very um, worthwhile for a, not only a topic to explore for other people to hear about, but for myself. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. and it is pretty cool that the first pagan tradition, the per- first witchcraft tradition to be given church status was in California. I know. Which seems weird. I mean, it doesn't. It makes sense, but it's just interesting. It is. I When I first started reading it, I said, oh my goodness, Southern California. See, yeah. I was raised in Southern California. Right. In the valley. Yes, the valley girl. But that, and they were talking about different things. I these were things that were very part of my world as I was not necessarily in the 60s of an age bracket that would have participated um, in that at the time. But it it totally was like, yeah, I get that. I remember over in that place and, yeah. you know, over there and whatever. Yeah. So, but, yeah. so that is just like people up here in Northern California with, you know, the Church of All Worlds and some of the things that were in the Bay Area that have, you know, seeped into and become part of the tradition. Oh, yeah. You know, the 70s and 80s, the Bay Area played a really big role in yeah. the modern pagan movement. Yeah. I mean, Starhawk, Z, Budapest, these were all yeah. part of, you know. Very tradition. Very tradition. So, yeah. So it is definitely California. <laughs> we are the weirdos, Mr. That we are, but we are in the West, and if you look at the geomancy in based in the island of Ireland, mm. the West were the magicians and the dreamers and the prophets, and those were because it was, you know, water and the yeah. West and going in, starting of the setting of the sun. So that was one of the provinces of the five provinces, mm. and when I learned that tradition and started putting it on the United States because it right. is, you can put it on any as a yeah. map, you can yeah. put it, overlay it. I began to look at it going, yeah, look at that, wow. Right. It, it made perfect sense, California, yeah, the West yeah. Coast. Well, there's a future topic, geomancy. Yes, land geomancy more than a, um, a uh, way of divining. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Nicholas Mann wrote a really great book about Anyway, yes. <laughs> so we are, we are at that moment that where time. we're just closing ourselves down, but we're getting ideas for new shows uh, for everyone. Yeah. And next week we will air our show on the fall equinox. Yes, we will re-air our show. Yeah. Which the equinox is actually the day before, or I guess it happens sometime between the 21st and the 22nd. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, celebrate that balance and stuff. Yeah. Times. And coming up in November, so still a few weeks away, you have time, mm-hmm. so we're going to do another Ask a Witch segment. Oh, yay! So make sure if you have a question, if there's something you want to hear us banter about, if there's a topic <laughs> you are curious about, if you have questions about our personal lives, <laughs> <We did reason. laughs> if you'd like to get a reading, yeah. anything like that, write in. And I have a, a stack started. Um, some of them uh, may ha- may be time. The time may have passed by the time we get to November. So right. with that in mind, we won't be doing that show until November. Right. 
Right. We have a stack of questions, but we'd love more. No, definitely. We always love love. That's more, right. more, more. That's right. So witchpriestesscauldron.com is our website, oh. and you can fill out the form on that website. Oh, good. And next Friday, yes, it's the Equinox. Yay! Yay. All right. Well, <laughs> until then, have a wondrous week. Yes, thanks for listening. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to The Witch, The Priestess, and The Cauldron, a radio podcast on the LMC Radio Network. Our podcast airs live every Friday at 6 p.m. Pacific and will be available for download. Questions or comments on this show or ideas for upcoming shows can be sent to our website, and that's at www.witchpriestesscauldron.com. Again, that's witchpriestesscauldron.com. On behalf of Elvira, Phoenix, Alan, and myself, Gwion Raven, a big merry meet and merry part and merry meet again. Blessed be.